0: Two rivals. Welcome back, which with one nerd, one champ, and a special plus one who fiercely banter to bring you the best possible fantasy football podcast out there. Who am I joined by? You're
1: joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright, uh, writer for DL- DLF Football, and Todd. It's been two weeks. It's. It feels like it's too long. We just talked off, off air for like a half an hour. It feels good to catch up. It's good. Be, I'm with my homies. What can I ask for?
0: Uh, I am throwing to be back on the mic talking to football. Do we have a special plus one tonight?
2: You have your perpetual plus one, Sean Kennedy, in the mix, and yeah, just echoing Dave. It has felt like a lifetime. This has been a. This has been a long two weeks.
0: I I gotta say that you're always gonna be special. That's what it's always gonna come out as a special plus one, Sean. Ooh, it's never gonna change. Wow. All so, right. I think. Gentlemen, I think it's time. I think it's time to hand the reins over. I think Sean, drive the car, baby. All right,
2: yeah. So we're gonna uh we have a little formatting change that we're gonna bring with you and we'll get into the speci- specifics of that as we get down to it. But just first, Todd, what do you got going on? What's uh what's new in your life?
0: Uh first I just want to comment how lame I was told you to drive a car, could have passed the torch, said anything cooler than drive a car. That was freaking lame. But hey,
1: Your segue game, Todd, is why Sean's taking over. <laughs>
2: The, non, the non-sequiturs are weak. Tom. That
0: was kind of a kick in the nuts. And <laughs> I really did not appreciate it. Gentlemen, not this past week, but the week before, I had my first perfect week, and I went 12 for 12 in my matchups. And I was very excited about that. And to celebrate, I joined my 13th league. And I was super excited. Uh, Eric, he's a Debbie writer for our, uh, Dynasty Nerds, reached out to me with a new Devi concept. Essentially, what it is, is you draft college players for two years. We have no pro season until the third season. It's IDP, 11 starters on both sides, and you only play the players that you drafted through your Jeffy draft. Uh, lots of great guys, lots of great minds. I've had a ton of picks sniped in a very random kind of a draft. Cool original concept, and another reason for me to beat down Joey the Tooth another week.
1: Well, first, it's a roller rollercoaster emotions here. Todd's cheating on me more and more with Joey the Tooth. Uh, and pretty soon he's being more leagues with Joey than he is with me. And I thought we were, you know, I thought that was our thing, Todd. That was our thing.
0: I think I'm just trying to upgrade my game. You know, he's got some hardware. You know, I think he's, he's a real test for me.
1: I thought the material stuff didn't matter to you, Todd. I thought it was we had a connection. I guess not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's chasing the bling. He just said it. He needs somebody flashy. Why is he
2: going to drive a Hyundai when he can jump on a Lamborghini? Does Joey cooked shepherd's pie?
0: You don't cook me shepherd's pie. You <laughs> cooked it once out of five promises. Yeah. Well,
1: like I said, it's been a roller coaster for emotions. I defeated Sean in week eight in our rivalry matchup. Uh, it felt really good. And a very depl- both our laps were extremely depleted. So it wasn't a true testament to our, our uh, squads. But it still felt good to get that one out of the way. And I was a Christian Kirk, starting Christian Kirk over Corey Davis, away from defeating Todd in week nine. And it hurt. It hurt. Chase Edmonds let me down. Uh, I let myself down, and now I'm just uh, stuck to listening to Todd's repetitive banter and braggadocious routine until uh, until the playoffs come around. So
0: Hold up. First off, I didn't even say a single word to you after I beat you. I didn't brag. I didn't say anything, which is very unlike me. Then you decided to bring attention to it by tweeting it, and then, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, not make fun of you? Not say that the guy that you did not start was the guy that you were essentially a truther for. Do you really believe in Christian Kirk, Dave? Corey Davis
1: is also a truther for me, so it's like a, a tale of yeah. trutherisms. He does have a point, Dave. It sounds like you're
0: asking for this. The other, the other thing too is, Dave, is like, how exactly did Corey uh, Corey Davis play over those last two weeks, and Christian Kirk was a freaking animal the two weeks before you didn't play him? Like that was just bad. That's just bad, Dave.
1: Corey Davis was like had a huge week the week before Chris, Christian Kirk.
0: Christian had two touchdowns in two straight weeks.
1: <laughs> well, touchdown, t- Todd. We know we can't depend on touchdowns, especially from a non-primary wide receiver like like. If it's Hopkins. hot,
0: baby. Ride the
1: hand. Uh, I mean, hey, look, it was the wrong play here, but I, I, I still think Corey Davis was a solid play. I had, I actually had switched in Kirk before, and then I, I changed my mind right before kickoff. Uh <sighs> Classic Dave, overthinking yeah. and quitting yeah. on his gut. Oh,
0: That's man. what happens when Dave plays me. He gets in his own head. I don't have to even say anything at this point.
1: Well, Todd, you know what? This is a cry for help. You're in more leagues with Joy the Tooth now. I need to do something to try to rekindle that magic. Okay? I need this. I need you to beat me up. Come on. Let me have it, Todd. God,
0: Dave. God. Wow. So Dave <laughs> is just a total, total masochist. We're fine. <laughs> Good God. Dave, Dave. what I really need you to do is have some self-respect and win some hardware. Then you'll get my respect. That's it. Thank you,
1: Todd. I needed that. Oh, yes. That was better than the gin I just drank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. What's up with you, Sean?
2: Uh, But I'm, I'm good. Just chilling. I did come across something interesting that I know a tale of two rivals fans will also find interesting who have been following our bets because Todd and I's bet is unfortunately shelved by OBJ's season ending injury. But our other podcast bet is really heating up. Because did you guys know that since 2003, the Bengals are on track to have 2,000 yard receivers for the first time? <sighs> I know, Dave. I'm yeah. excited too. Yeah. My goodness. Did you think that our bet over this would be heating up this much that we would have
1: potentially the deciding factors be over thousand yards? I'm just happy that since I <laughs> finally had a chance to cool down, reevaluate things heading into the bye week. And give A.J. Green the crown he deserves. And I'm I'm ready for the second half of the season with A.J. Green. Is he one of those two receivers? No, but I think he oh. might be leading the team in air yards. No. Interesting. Well, <laughs> and how
2: will that translate into his top 12 <laughs> yeah. performance for 2020?
0: Look,
1: I thought the scoring for the bet was air yards only leagues,
0: okay? Oh, I mean, we didn't wow. talk about the scoring systems. <laughs> we... They don't matter. Did you not watch my, my Halloween special about air yards and how they don't matter? Come I on, man. I wish you had brought that up before the bet, Todd. Ugh.
2: oh god all right our question of the day to heat
0: things up hey, here before we before we do the question of the day can i give a quick shout out not if it's to joey the tooth because dave will probably die <laughs> no i want to give a shout out to um the amazing performance as ghostface in my twitter halloween special video by j pal j pal killed it as ghostface well done J-Pow. Wow.
2: j pal wow just j pal racking up
0: shout outs on this podcast like crazy I always sort of like to appreciate him trading Devin White to me in our RDP yes,
1: week. I was about to say, yeah, no wonder he gets a shout-out after some collusion goes on. But anyway. Ooh,
2: Dave, dropping a big C word. You shut your dirty mouth. There was no collusion.
1: <laughs> All right. No, I, I, only, I don't actually think so, but I had to say it because I know Todd was getting tested in the group chat. So <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: like totally legit trade.
2: <laughs> All right. So the question of the day, what is one pol- pop culture force, just an absolute phenomenon, that you could not buy into and why? So we're talking about things like Survivor, things like Farmville on Facebook. We're talking Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, American Idol, Pokemon. What is your one pop culture thing that you kicked to the curb and why? Todd.
0: All right. One, Farmville was the lamest thing ever. Never got into it, but I'm not talking Pretty about Pretty bad. It. Pokemon, by far, okay, is the thing I never got into. Now, there is some hate behind Pokemon because I really feel like Magic and Pokemon helped kill the baseball card industry. And it kills my, my childhood a little bit there. The whole Pokemon thing just seems cheesy. I never got into D&D or Magic either, but they seem so so much cooler and more badass with a similar game concept. So when I think about grown men in their 30s chasing cartoon characters around on their phones it's some serious Peter Pan J-PAL wow
2: you weren't even into like pokemon red and blue
0: no i'm not wow. into anything pokemon Damn. the whole thing is weird it's like it's literally like hello kitty with fighting it's like i don't get it it's like this weird like i go play magic go play DD. at least be like cool in the being a nerd i don't what know
2: points yeah. to you for being anti-animal abuse
0: thank you wasn't what i was going for but i am anti-animal abuse hey, take, take <laughs> the wins where you can get them right <laughs> I was a little caught off guard, but hey, I'm cool with it.
2: Well, I mean that's all it is at its core. You're literally snatching animals out of the forest and forcing them to fight each other.
0: I mean, we have a good friend that just like likes to chase like, you know, fixing little characters around like in the middle of the day, like
1: In Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi. <laughs> like like <laughs> giant white man walking
0: around Abu Dhabi catching Pokemon characters. <laughs> like like that is some that is some serious call the police kind of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's crazy. Crazy.
2: All right, Dave, what about you? What's your pop culture phenomenon refusal to buy in force?
1: First, I reject Todd's Peter Pan insult. I don't have any problem with the slamming of Pokémon because it's a not a fan. I don't even I forgot even that, that Red and Blue Pokémon the game existed. Uh, never played the card game, never collected a single card. I never had a card in my possession in my lifetime. Uh, that's how much I despise Pokémon. But keep your filthy paws away from Neverland, Todd. It is a it is a, <laughs> it is a great concept. I never want to grow up, so leave your hands off Neverland, my friend.
2: Are you talking about the book, or are you talking about Neverland Everything Ranch?
1: I love everything. Oh, not everything. No, okay, not everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting for the Michael Jackson. But I resisted Harry Potter for the longest time as a Lord of the Rings super fan. I thought it. I was a pretty big snob and thought it was beneath Lord of the Rings. And then when Quinn was living in Ireland, we first started dating. We were, like, struggling long distance. We were struggling to come up with uh, things to do, like stay in touch and whatever. So we made a deal that I would read Harry Potter, she would read Lord of the Rings, and now we have three pets named uh, Harry Potter characters. So, and here's a question: Does it seem like someone who doesn't like condiments would enjoy new things like Pokemon, reality TV, American Idol, and stuff like that?
0: I don't no. think so. No, I feel like I, I, I think it's perfectly fine because you are an absolute psychopath. <laughs> so. Uh, psychopaths will just kind of do things that are unexpected.
2: Yeah, the kind of thing that only makes sense in hindsight when you're like, yeah, he he did have a yeah, that freezer full sense, of heads in his basement.
0: Exactly. Oh, yeah.
2: So mine, my pop culture phenomenon that I could just I could not buy into, and at this point it's been around for a long time, is any kind of house-based group reality TV show. So whether it's Road Rules, it's The Challenge, it's Big Brother, it's Jersey Shore, it's Real Housewives of Pick Your City in America. Just anything where people are perpetually shirtless, pilled out of their gourds, half drunk and all stupid and constantly bickering and hooking up. I'm not interested. Most of these shows started coming out when I was in like middle school. And people I knew watched them obsessively, like couldn't pry
0: them away. I was in college when Jersey Shore came out. out. Way before you were in middle school. Way before. I don't think so. Listen, youngster. Okay. Okay. (laughs) They were way before you. We'll get into that. Well, Yeah, we'll do the math afterwards, but
2: (laughs) I don't get the appeal. Like, going to middle school sucks. It's like the worst time of everybody's life. High school, I hate it. It wasn't much better. Why would I want to watch more of that when I get home? The only exception I will give is, I don't know if you guys remember Drawn Together on Comedy Central. Oh, that show was so good. It was so good. It was so sick and
1: utterly depraved.
0: But it was satire.
1: I know, and it was fantastic. If this is a shot at Room Raiders and Pit My Ride, I cannot co-sign.
0: Oh, Pit My Ride was good. It's definitely. Uh, it was good, dude. They put fish tanks in your back seat with a PlayStation. Definitely not a Pit My Ride. I don't know <laughs> about on. Room Raiders. Come on, Pit My Ride was good stuff. And yet, no, Pit My Ride was great.
1: And twenty minutes in, we have not talked any football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what happens to you a good. Co- I mean, a good condiment. <laughs> a good question of the day, man. All right, let's talk some football.
2: All right, yeah. So moving on into our new format, we are shifting from a three-person take to a court of two rivals where Dave and Todd will present their arguments for their specific takes. I will cross-examine them, shooting holes where I can, antagonizing where I can, because let's just face it, I have consistently the least accurate takes out of all three of us, I'm far more the most eloquent and I'm the most antagonistic. So that being said, that'll be our new format. And for tonight's topic, we're going to be talking trade deadline because week 10, most leagues will have this as their deadline. And if you're using the sleeper platform, I learned you have until the last game of the week, which was interesting. I thought it was until the player played. But what we're trying to learn tonight is how Dave and Todd are targeting specific players who they think can vault them into a championship, who they think is a great building block for next year, but also what their strategy is overall with their back up against it heading into the deadline and how they formulate trades and ultimately how they fleece some rubes and get what they need. Dave,
1: who is your first player to target? So this is a disclaimer. If you need me to say you should be trying to trade for DJ Moore, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I I feel like a broken record. Um, I actually John Bauer on on his podcast uh, FF Confidential slid one other shot uh, with a DJ Moore blow as uh, and it hurt. But yeah, you should be trying to still acquire DJ Moore.
2: I just want to make sure you understand that everyone understands our listeners understand. You're talking about DJ Moore, the barely second best receiver on the Carolina Panthers, right? Nine uh, points ahead of best. the wide receiver three. DJ yeah, Moore. Far from.
0: Ah, uh, Kirk Samuel might take him over soon. Yeah. yeah. Moore is only nine on. points ahead.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's So I'm going to ignore that and push forward. And anyway, I struggle to narrow down who my trade targets are because I have a long list. So I thought one that maybe someone who might not be talked about as much, Denzel Mims. He fits one of the player archetypes archetypes I like to target at this time of year. Slow start rookies, Jalen Rager, CEH, JT, Cam Akers, Brian Edwards. LaVisca Chanel had, has cooled off as of late. And Henry Ruggs. Those players, um, they're not the hot button. They're not... They're not taking off like a CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, or Jerry Judy last week who took off, and T. Higgins. They have been taking fantasy football by storm. Naturally, these rookies propelled themselves to the topic of conversation, and the people who have not been as as prominent or have been injured or what have you, they they're, some of their, shot, their luster has worn off. And Mims is a prime example of this. He didn't play until Week 7. He's engulfed by the black hole that is Adam Gase. In the Fantasy Succubus, also uh, as part of the New York Jets, he's finished as wide receiver 54, wide receiver 55, and wide receiver 45 in the three weeks he's played, so not lighting the world by, on fire by any means. However, he's commanded a 30% target share in two of the three weeks he's played, which is significant, and he's gradually increased his air yards each week. Last week, he had one hundred forty air yard, 145 air yards, which is impressive, which was 46% of uh, the Jets' air yards. He's actually second among rookies in yards per team past attempt, which is a... Very, very predictive stat. I might even dare say to call it a sexy stat as far as stats go. And before I get too hot and bothered, the best part of uh, of Mims is he's affordable. Uh, as you guys know, I like to call myself a company man for Dynasty League Football's Trade Finder, which is a great tool on their website. Some recent trades involving Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, a second for Corey Davis a third. I think that was as a really good deal to get Mims. Denzel Mims for Demir Bird and Darius Slayton. I like that Mims trade. Uh Denzel Mims for Miles Gasson, Van, Van Jefferson. Oh yeah, I'll take Mims there. And Denzel Mims for a second and Chase Claypool. I understand why people are hot on Chase Claypool, but I would, I'm I totally cool of getting that second round pick on top of Denzel Mims to get uh, to uh, cash it on Claypool.
2: Yeah, those are some nice ones. That one at the end is, I'd say, the only one where you can't really lean Mims, especially Mims plus something for Corey Davis. It just it, outrageous.
1: Yeah, outrageous. So I just really, and that was like probably, that was made when Corey Davis had like had consecutive weeks in a row. I think A.J. Brown was out.
2: Yeah, like this Miles Gaskin one is probably from a few weeks ago, pre-injury. So what what about, I mean, you listed off the air yards, listed off the stats. But I mean, what else? Because he's playing for the succubus, which is gross, right? For the Jets. What about his profile? Because you're looking at a guy who had the Ace Ventura, double spears in the legs, both hamstrings hurt, missed a considerable
1: amount of the season. Why is he going to overcome that? Because Gase is going to be gone after this year. Mims has flashed on a bad team and limited opportunity, and that's that's how I have to look at it. And it, and look, I trust me, I don't like investing in Jets players at, at all. But Mims is the exception for me because I feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. They could be they could land Trevor Lawrence, even though he's there's speculation that he doesn't want to go to the Jets and blah blah blah. But there's light at the end of the tunnel for the New York Jets, at least for at least for a little bit.
0: If they don't take uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be with Justin Fields, so that's yeah, still-
1: yeah. So what whether
2: they Football. end up with Trevor Lawrence or he goes full Eli, Mims will have a new quarterback. This is a team that surely will get rid of the succubus because even though it's 2020, reason must prevail. Any concern that they're also going to stack up and bring in other receivers because they can get out from under Crowder for a one million dead cap hit. Paraman will be gone or could be gone. They might bring him back, but. Any concern that they'll also hit receiver pretty hard in the draft?
1: I mean, anytime you add a w- talent to offense, that helps the receiver. I mean, look at people uh, wrote off Christian Kirk. I just think the more talent on offense, more offensive opportunities. So I, uh, the idea of them adding another top weapon only helps Mims, whereas... Uh, and I don't think Crowder's going anywhere because th- he's having a good season. I don't know why they'd move on from him. And Makes yeah. a lot of money. Now,
2: you've you've brought us in these trades here, and I'm sure there are ones that you found on
1: DLF that had
2: packages involved, you know, just a little bit more complicated to represent here. But everybody knows the Jets are terrible. The whole wide world might not know the term fantasy succubus, but the whole wide world knows that Adam Gase and his bowling ball eyeballs is terrible and that he is dead in New York. And he's probably only still have a job just to secure Trevor Lawrence in the first pick. Do you think there's this rush where people are going to be looking to get Mims here at the deadline because they know there are better wins ahead?
1: I don't think so. The pulse that I have on the community is that Mims is not, I mean, there are some rumblings that oh, Mims is healthy and some peripherals, like some people like on the boundaries talk about Mims, but he's not a name right now. You know, people are still talking about T. Higgins, uh, C. Lamb. They're talking about the big Justin Jefferson. They're talking about those players where Mims is a secondary. So I still think we have a window here. The second half of the season will determine uh, how really Mims is going to shape up going into this offseason. So I, I just, I like targeting Mims right now for his cost. I, that's, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say. You, you named off a lot of guys leading into this. Is Mims the best bang for your buck? Uh, no, I mean, I still, I mean, Rager is, I still like Rager. I really like Rager, I think. I'm
0: with that too, actually, right now. Um, I agree.
1: And, I mean, Brian Edwards, I still feel like the, peop- the, the Brian Edwards loyalists haven't faded but Let if there is a go. chink in the armor, I I still think Brian Edwards is there. And basically, any of those those rookie wide receivers we talked about, I'm I'm cool with it. And, and JT Jonathan Taylor, he's had two bad weeks. Yes, that happens. Things are bad. It, we're swirling, but I still believe in JT. Uh, so I'm not. So I'm I'm trying to get him. I just didn't want to get into a whole thing on JT or CH tonight or Cam Akers for that matter, but yeah, there's a lot of players still that I like in this rookie class. Oh, I'm Cam with Akers. you on JT,
0: man. I'm, I'm totally in on JT, and I just said what Sean said about asking about whether they think that he's a buy or not, like I don't think anyone's going to be buying on Mims because the only thing that He's accumulating his air yards and those stats don't matter. No, he did not. not, I mean, 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 look at AJ Green, man, and look at his air yards. And he's going to have double digit fantasy points last week. But my point is, AJ Green's air yards are great and he's going to have two guys easily pass him on 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 his team in real yards. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Todd. Uh, I'm
1: glad we are turning in this into the Denzel Mims is bad because of air yards argument. Uh, all right. I
0: just really like poking fun at you. It's good moving time. on through it. Todd, who is your first one? Uh, Darrell Henderson is my first uh, one. So my first, like if I had to tell you, if you're contending and if you can find a way to get Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones, those are by far my top choice. They're studs. I don't want to get into it. Their playoff schedules are ridiculous. Oh, so juicy. I mean, Derrick Henry, dude, if you can get Derrick Henry on your team for playoffs, it's stupid how easy his schedule is and his opportunity share is ridiculous already. Go get him. I wanted to look at a guy that was more modestly priced with upside. Yes, Kmakers exists and he's coming back. I actually like Malcolm Brown. That's exactly why I'm targeting Henderson. because that owner might not be confident in his usage the rest of the way. I'm very confident in his usage. You're looking at a guy that's been outstanding in the amount of opportunities he's been giving. He's got a 90.2 PFF grade, and he's still underrated. His usage isn't huge. His target share isn't huge, but he's still a top 20 back. But the reason why I really want Henderson is his playoff schedule. Week 14, plays the Pats. gives up the eighth most fantasy points to running backs per game. And that's at 23.4 points, uh, fantasy points. Week 15, plays the Jets, 11th most fantasy points given up to running backs. Week 16, the Seahawks, 16th most, which I'm not saying is great, but it's not like he's playing anybody tough And those first two weeks are pretty solid. Now, you're looking at the guy that I could say, if he fulfills the potential, that's a, that's a league winner, and he's not going to cost you a ton. That's the reason why Henderson is a great pickup. He's not going to cost you a lot. For a playoff run. And he actually has value beyond the playoff run. And in the next year. He is a great guy to target. And see what happens. I really do think the Rams are going to be a share. And you can't just bank on a guy. That's going to be a bell cow. Because it's not the way the NFL works anymore anyways. He's also a phenomenal secondary piece. If you're making a bigger package out of him. So you want to go Henderson straight up. You might be able to get him for a second. Depending on how the owner looks. When Dave started talking about the trade finder, phenomenal feature, you know, phenomenal. While he was talking, I looked it up real quick. And this is what I saw about Henderson's trades. They're all over the map. You don't really know what's going on with that. So you know what you got to do? You got to go in, kick your tires, know your price, and target Henderson, all right? And be flexible going into that. But Henderson is the kind of guy that could win you a title this year if he hits.
2: So if he hits, right? That's the big question. Because this is... This is- one of the muddier shares right now in the NFL, right? I mean, this really feels like it's been Henderson's backfield for the last at least four or five weeks, right? Right. But he's not really leading that much in snap counts. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, he's been below. Season-wide, he's only had three games as the most consistent back on the field. You know, Sean McVay week after week has been saying, no, 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 we got to get Cam Akers back on the field. We got to work him in more. And as he's been coming back from injury, his usage has been going up too. Granted, he hasn't been doing much with it, but right. that's just muddying the waters more. So you're talking about, and you list out here, his playoff matchup, and those, those are pretty sexy. It is. But what percentage of those is he going to get? Because he's not going to hit 100%,
0: right? So the thing about it is, is, like I don't really know what the percentage is going to be, but he's been the best player out of that backfield. And it's a team that's competing. You know, The, the Rams aren't out of it. When it comes down to who, in the end of the year, they're going to trust, it's probably gonna be Henderson because he's been the guy that's been doing it most efficiently. Whenever he touches the ball, he's making the most of his opportunity, you know? And he's producing better than anybody out of that backfield. So that's where my confidence comes in. And the other reason about it is too, is when you're making this move or you might need to pay a little bit over what his cost is, it's still not a lot. That's why it's a great target between the fact that it's an ambiguous backfield still. We talk about targeting ambiguous backfields at the beginning of the year to see who emerges somebody still might emerge out of this backfield and and whoever owns him might not like writing that the rest of the year you might be able to get him for a second round pick which doesn't really mess with your roster you know so then you got that and then what did you get what you lose out you are going for it man and this is a pick that's not going to cost you a ton of capital to take a chance at the title and if it hits you look like a freaking genius and if it doesn't you didn't spend a lot to lose
1: couple things todd First, I really enjoyed that ambiguous backfield episode. I thought that was a really fun episode. It was. Uh, and two, I really like this target for you overall because you're right. Akers is is keeping Henderson's value real. He's acquirable, which is nice about Absolutely. Especially for how much opportunity he's getting. And he's coming out of the bye week. So the bye week's under the table. So if you acquire him, you don't have to worry about that. There, There's a lot of things trending in the right direction for Henderson. So I, I like this target here. It's nice to be... How does it feel to have a co-host support your take, Todd, instead of criticizing? I,
0: f- I feel, I don't feel right about it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like ready to have some fight. But I honestly think like it's, so the one thing about my take is, is that like, it's not hard to get behind because I'm not asking you to spend a lot of, money for him. you know what I mean? You're just looking at an opportunity where if he does get the ball, he's going up against some pretty light competition when it matters, you know? So
2: any concern about the injury he left last week They were on by? He left the week before with a thigh injury.
0: No, because there hasn't been a lot of anything coming out of camp with that.
2: All right. So you had said at the beginning of this and you're just saying it's not going to cost you a lot. And that you think he'll be involved next year. Yep. And contractually, Malcolm Brown is out the door. He's a restricted free agent this year. He'll be gone next year unless they choose to bring him back. What's your confidence level in like a rough percentage split for Henderson? Because I think a lot of people might be hesitant to go out and get him thinking like, well, yeah, it's just for now because next year it won't be him as much. They'll really try and go fully to Cam Akers with the draft capital. And conversely, whoever has him now, whoever that manager is, might be thinking, I got to get out from under this while I still can, while the value is
0: peaked. So I think when Henderson and when you look at Acres, I the one thing that bothers me about those two together is is that they kind of are a little too similar but I think at the same time you're gonna see not an even split one of them will probably be more like a 60 70 percent the other one's gonna be like 40 30 you know what I mean but at the end of the day like there's an opportunity for it's still gonna be ambiguous you know what I mean and that's what you're gonna want to target in the offseason anyways those are the like you're just getting ahead of what you're gonna to need to do in the offseason anyways. Because we don't know what's gonna come out of that. And you wanna get those shares and you wanna spend on those guys. And it still doesn't cost a lot right now. So I don't know what to think about it, but I'm confident that he's made the most that they can trust him to be able to give him, I don't know, at least thirty five percent to forty percent of the touches for like a you know, for a running back. So you're comfortable with this as a long term move and not just a by now playoffs push? It's definitely targeted towards the playoff push because if it hits, it's phenomenal. But the nice thing is, opposed to my guy I'm going to talk about later, um, there is something to be said about the future with with buying for him. You know? You're not completely selling out for playoffs with Henderson. There is something beyond it that is promising. And the other thing too is think of it this way. If you traded a second round pick for Henderson right now, last year, you're spending less than what it costs to draft him. And he's already producing more than he did after last year. I mean, this guy was unbelievably hyped coming out as a rookie. And now he's starting to show promise. And all of a sudden, his price is still not even close to what his draft capital was for rookie drafts. Fair. So, Good point. Phenomenal, phenomenal target in that regard. Go out and get him. I So I, I traded for him in a redraft league. And one of the guys I included in it was Christian Kirk. <laughs> 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 he went off. But, um...
2: Mr. Spaceman, who is your second target?
0: So I
1: really kind of dug a little deep for this one. Uh I wanted to try to think of something that a lot of shows aren't talking about. And I don't normally mention a player who's coming off a big week as a as a good trade target. But in this instance, I think it's still his price is right where you want it. JD McKissick he had a he had a big week last week. I think he was the RB3 overall, if I if my if I remember correctly. And not my style usually to target a, a guy coming off that kind of week. But I think he's easily acquirable for a third-round pick. I think if you send out any third-round pick, you might you have a chance at landing McKissick or a third-rounder and a plus a throw-in should get you McKissick. And I don't think that's, a, that's fleecing by any means. But what makes me think that McKissick is a good target is is that in the two games Alec, Alex Smith has played this season, McKissick has averaged 11 targets and a 32.3% target share. And then PPR and fantasy football, you love those targets. It's such an an amazing floor, such an amazing, such amazing uh, safety net to have that to rely on. And Kyle Allen sustained that season ending. In, I think it was season ending uh, ankle injury that was it was ugly,
2: certainly season ending.
1: Uh So and then I think and Alex Smith has something like a four point two A dot, which I know A dot belongs to wide receivers. I just come into Cardinals bringing up A dots and 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 quarterbacks, but still the point remains. Alex Smith likes to throw to his running backs. So, in week nine, McKissick had a season high 65.4% opportunity share, which is a combination of running back, uh, running back carry or non quarterback carries and running back targets to basically get a, how much of the offense uh, McKissick is getting. And 65.4% was a season high for him. Uh, he turned in three carries for 17 yards, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But nine catches on 14 targets for 65 yards. Ooh la la. Make inexpensive target RB. And this is a this in this RB economy, for you're gonna take that kind of target share any day of the week. So he has a 17.3 target share on the season and quietly has been the RB25 since week three. In deeper leagues, you need that kind of depth. You need that guy you can plug and play in that flex position uh, and you can rely on to score you points. And this is the type of of target that yeah, yeah, it's low risk. You're not I'm not asking people to spend a lot. Not even like a second round pick, not even the, that would get to require Darrell Henderson or something like that. This is just a low cost investment that has a decent return on investment and that could provide you key provide you key matchups going forward with Alex Smith, the quarterback. So that's what I like about JD McKissick.
0: I abs. I sorry. I just want to say I absolutely loved that pick, dude. And I want to make fun of you so bad right now. <laughs> I not. wrote
1: about him in today's my my column for running back opportunity share. It's kind of crazy how much J.D. McKissick has become a factor. I believe J.J. Zacharyson in the beginning of the season said Antonio Gibson only has to deal with like hundred ninety-five pound running back who blah blah blah, and 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 J.D. McKissick added him saying I'm two hundred five pounds blah blah blah, and it's fun to see uh, J.D. McKissick kicking butt. That's it's awesome. just
2: a the direct call out.
1: Yeah, and and I mean Jay didn't tag him, but it was just it's just fun. It's just a fun little story, and there's not a lot of value to be mined in in Washington right now. So it's just a it's just a an, I like his strategic mood here. These are the kind of moves that they're not going to look back and say this won me, but this is a type of foundation that a a piece that you need to make to help you get to where you want to go. Kind of. So I mean, you're bringing up
2: Alex Smith, his low A dot, and you already you already gave the disclaimer on A dot, but. This is a terrible team. And yeah, they're going to be relying on McKissick, the short yardage, everything with Smith, because Smith has shown when he goes down the field, it gets ugly. But you're talking about a guy, he's had a career average of 77, sorry, seven points per game. If you go out and you acquire him, who do you envision you're starting him over in this scenario? Like, What what good is he actually going to be to you? And is it just turning into a sunk asset?
1: It's a, it's the same. I mean, I, yeah, this could flop, but at, at a third round pick, I'm not going to cry home if the, if this doesn't hit. This is the, the thing that I'm, I'm doing is, is that he's a flex slash low, low end RB2 that gives me a nice floor. I know I'm going to get some points out of him because, yeah, Washington, you're not looking for, for fantasy points out of Washington, but they're negative game script. They're going to be in a lot of passing situations. They're going to be coming from behind. They need to throw the ball. And that's when third, like when third down running backs get the, get the opportunity. I believe something I saw, uh, I forget. No, rich rebar posted something like, uh, until Gibson only has only has one touch on third down this year. And besides that, JD McKissick is dominating. He is a third down specialist. And I, I think he has something like he's averaging, I think over five. I'm looking now he's averaging. He's almost averaging six targets per game. And getting that for running back is impressive. And that kind of floor is you need. I mean, Todd, you had to start Frank Gore in our matchup last week. I had to start Tyler Irvin. It's not pretty at running back this season. There's a yeah, le- I'm rolling out Cordell Patterson in another league. It's not fun, guys. And you shut
0: your mouth about the immortal, okay?
2: So, Dave, that being said, and I mean, I think it's worth the disclaimer too on McKissick that he's got Pittsburgh and he's got San Francisco right in the middle of the fantasy playoffs. Is that mm-hmm. moving T- your needle at all?
1: Tough, tough matchups. Tough You're gonna, match-ups. They're going to they're gonna have to throw the ball. That's how I'm going to look at it. All I'm right. Not, all right. So, and he's not scoring touchdowns, so... But what's good about it is so sometimes people they have players have an inflated value because of touchdowns. McKissick isn't doing that. He's doing it through his receiving volume, which is more reliable. And he's going to luck his way into some touchdowns, and he's going to have some bigger weeks ahead of him.
2: So let, let's play a little. Let's play a little either or down the stretch here, taking matchups out of consideration. Just wrote quick as you can. Who would you take, J D McKissick or Le'Veon Bell?
1: Oh, J D McKissick.
2: J D McKissick or
1: Oh, PS, PS. Hey guys, I think I was right about Le'Veon Bell. Suck it.
2: Yeah. I don't think don't tell me to suck it. I don't think we ever really <laughs> even talked about it.
1: Oh, Sean, you wanted to give up a uh, a second for Le'Veon Bell to start the season. So just oh, oh, start this easy,
0: season. Easy guy. He got traded. He got the traded. The stakes have changed so much since then. Are you kidding me? Shut it. Stay in your lane.
1: Boo, Dave. Gross. Anywho's Leonard Fournette and J.D. McKissick i still take Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's getting the more valuable touches in Tampa Bay. They had a fi- they split the opportunity down the middle last week in that crap show of a Sunday night football matchup against the Saints.
2: Yeah, that's but not
0: even close for me either. Yeah.
2: Sexy Rexy yeah. or JD McKissick.
1: I'll take JD McKissick, McKissick. just because Damien Harris is hurt. It's ugly. It, well, he no, he's actually at practice. He was at practice today. Full Damian practice. Harris was at practice today. I'm not sure about that. I just know he was at practice. But the thing is Sony Michelle's coming off of IR soon soon too.
0: <laughs> Watch out.
1: I mean, that's just it's a it's a it's been a true committee for a for a while now in England. The
0: Patriots is always a committee, anyways.
2: True. (laughs) All right. So McKissick is more of an
1: insurance policy,
2: or he's somebody you imagine actively in a flex role.
1: He's a he's a you know what? I need some running back. I need he's a depth piece that I he's a plug and play where I feel comfortable plugging him to play where I need some points. That's how I kind of view him.
0: I so I just want to jump in on this one. I think what McKissick does is. He's that kind of guy that if you're playing in those leagues where you play deeper rosters, he's a phenomenal target. We play a flex, a super flex, and three running backs in our league. And I play in leagues where we play three to four flexes on top of two running backs. That's a deep starter. And McKissick, yeah, his playoff schedule sucks, but he's got usage. And again, he's cheap. I, I I like McKissick in a in a, in a in a deeper flex situation.
2: Boom. All right. Lock it in. Todrick, who was your second target?
0: So I was like really going through the list and like Jalen Rager came up and then like I didn't want Dave to like have a heart attack. You know, his value is like super low compared to his potential. You know, TJ Hawk, blah, 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 blah. Like he's been blowing up and finally like it's probably too high, whatever. So I'm really looking to mine some value today. So I want to target like an NFL senior. Tom Brady. And boy, what a train wreck that Saints game was.
2: Fourth best quarterback in that game.
0: Right. According to QBR, right. which is just incredible. So his manager might be pissed. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm all about, and I'm not even kidding you, I'm all about trading with people based on their emotions. I was all over trying to get Saquon Barkley the day after he got hurt. It took me a couple of days to get him in a couple places. But when strike it when people are vulnerable and see what you can get. But the other thing too is that even with that embarrassing performance, he's still a top 12 QB this year. And obviously this is a move that you make if you're contending. He's ageless, but he is indeed almost done. Now, the reason why Brady is the move in Superflex, if you can make the move as he's as your second QB, his playoff schedule if you can make the move as he's, as your second QB, his playoff schedule is so juicy. He's got Minnesota week 14, fifth most points given up to QBs. Atlanta, we all know that's atrocious with the second most. And then in the championship game, you get Detroit, 12th most, not exactly bottom of the barrel, but not exactly elite. Now, the other thing about that is, is that I actually think the lines are getting worse where they've given up 34.5 points to Indy and Minnesota over the last two weeks. So it's not like they're improving, and he's definitely better than both of those quarterbacks. Now let's also talk about the Bucks. That Saints game changed the playoff uh, picture a lot. So I expect a lot of potential battling for playoff seeding. And if I'm not, Brady's still playing until at least Week 16. The end is near. He is clearly not a great dynasty asset. And if the owner is not contending, there should be a reasonable, solid deal there to be made. If that owner is contending, probably not the best trade partner, but I guess. I'm in a league where I'm tied for first, and I offered Cam Newton a deal for him, and the guy wanted nothing to do with Cam Newton. I told him he was a very smart man and went on my way. But I thought it was a reasonable idea to throw it out to a guy in eighth place. And then I moved on. But I'm definitely going to be looking for him in other places. Brady is a phenomenal target to be looking at if you're contending in Superflex as your second QB. Do not sell out your whole QB position. If you have some room to be able to go get him and you want to make a push, win the title now. Tom Brady. Those playoff matchups are just,
2: they're the sexiest of the sexy. Put put him on the runway at the Victoria's Secret's Right. Fashion show because they are just incredible.
0: Right. And they're worth targeting a 42 year old over. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If you're
2: talking about securing him as your QB2 and Superflex, that's a statement. You're putting a lot on the line there. Yeah. Now, his matchups down the stretch to the playoffs are a little intimidating. He's got the Rams, who are checking in as one of the top five defenses against the past. He's got the Chiefs, who are a top 10, and then they're on bye in week 13. Now, against. Top half defenses, top you know passing defenses, he has had less than 20 points in all of those games. Now in games where they're playing bottom half defenses, a la the Lions, Minnesota, Atlanta, all those teams you outlined, he's going off. He's at 35 points, he's at over 40 points, he's going absolutely bananas. But any concern that investing in Brady and using him as your QB2 might hurt you in the short term heading into the playoffs and potentially knock you down seedings, cost you a bye week, anything like that?
0: So that's a phenomenal question. And for me, it breaks down into math. You got to do the math. So where you are in your standings, who are you playing coming up in those weeks? If you're playing a cupcake, you know what I mean? Like if you had J-PAL on your schedule, you don't need a second quarterback. You're going to win. So do the math out, you know, figure out who you're playing, Figure out what your lead is and where you're going to be in playoffs. If you're banking on a buy, think about what that does for you. If it's something you're not comfortable with, don't make the move. If you're willing to roll the dice and play a week in and then, yeah, do it. But the other thing, too, is if you're in a super flex league and you don't have a third QB, you didn't really do it well. And sometimes it happens. It happened to me this year when Dak went down and I was screwed. But I ended up trading for Cam Newton and it sucked. But anyways, who's your third QB? What are their matchups looking like when he has bad matchups? Can you kind of feel that out? If you have one week where they both have bad matchups, take that hit, dude. You don't live in a perfect world, you know, especially in the fantasy football landscape it is today. Think about how you would set your lineups when you make that move. And then is it a move that by the time you get the playoffs, you're sitting in a position where you're either where you were when you made the trade or just a couple steps back where you're primed to be able to push forward and prove why you thought ahead of the rest of your competition. That's how you win your fantasy week.
2: So in a, in a vacuum, obviously, because we're taking roster construction things like that out of the mix here. To generalize it, what would you give up in a vacuum for Brady?
0: Oh God. Um, if I'm contending, I'll give away first, easy. You Ooh. know, I'll, I'll give up my first. Juicy. If that's what get like just just off a straight up thing, like if I'm really believing I'm gonna win the last pick of the first round to get a title, if you're holding on to the 12th best rookie to not win, you're not playing the game right. That's what I'm telling you right now, okay? So absolutely, if that's your missing piece, go and do that. But on top of that, you might be able to do a second, maybe a different QB, maybe like a young wide receiver with a second. It's not a lot. You're trading for a 42-year-old quarterback, dude. It's It's not going to cost you a ton of capital, and it shouldn't mess with your roster.
2: What is your strategy, especially here heading into the
0: deadline? So we're talking trade strategy now? That's what you want to know? All right. Number one thing when you're at the trade deadline is you got to look at the playoff schedule. It doesn't matter where you are in the standings, because if you're a contender, you target it. If you're a rebuilder, you sell it. If you're rebuilding and you have guys that have great playoff schedules, you're looking at those contenders and saying to them, hey, I got this. You're going to want this. And if you really want to go a step ahead, pick up the guy that they cannot stand that's doing well. Like, So if you told Dave who well, I have week 15 or week 16, that might get Dave to think about a, a little bit more. So the playoff schedule is step one. Step two, you got to find the right trade partner. Who's going to mutually benefit or who's fresh meat? It's one of those two things. If it's a mutual beneficial thing, obviously you're going to have a, a good conversation. Fresh meat, you know, I love striking up with a manager who I haven't traded with before. There's no bias, there's no history. You know, you also, it's also fun from a social standpoint. You get to know another league manager. It's all good stuff, you know? So then you can kind of like build that rapport and get to know where that person's head's at. A good question to ask is, who do you like on my team? Who do you like? Just ask them that question. When them list it out, you get to know who like that person, that manager a lot. They don't want to answer it. Okay, it's gonna be a very painful trade negotiation with that guy in the future anyway. All right, step three. You need to give value to get value. Who are you on the part with with that value? Nobody wants your four pieces of trash for an RB2, okay? Stop those kind of fucking trades because what's gonna happen is you're gonna push away people who don't want to trade with you anymore, all right? And if you trade spam, we've all done it. I do it way too much because I get bored and I do it, but then I actually come up with decent (laughs) offers later and people will trade with me do not offer trash. You got to give value to get value. All right. Step four, identify your need and your targets and make a ranked or tiered list. Then work your way down. Start with that stud you want. Determine your top value that you're willing to part with and know what your next attempt would be if the price is too much. So for example, I just told you Henderson's my buy. He would be my fourth guy to target running back. I try to get Henry. I'd exhaust that. I try to get Aaron Jones, I'd exhaust that. I tried to get David Montgomery, and I'd exhaust that. And then I'd go get Henderson. And you know what those all base off of? Playoff schedules. Step five, find the reasonable starting offer. Don't start too low so there's no counter. But let's be honest, everybody does that. It's not the end of the world. If you do that and you don't get a counter, own it. All right? But definitely don't start with your best offer. Start a dialogue. You could have a counter in your mind. Probably two counters to work up to that deal be sure to ask your trade partners about their needs and be able to adjust your approach. You want to be able to make them feel like they're also benefiting from this. And it's not just about you. And try not to be a dick if you don't like their offer either. That makes people not want to trade with you and not want to counter you. I have been a dick in the past and there's plenty of times I have not been. Typically when I'm not a dick, I get what I want. So this dialogue is not only key to your deal, but for future deals, you're building a relationship. Unless you dominate that trade, then it sucks to be them and you gotta steal and then people don't want to trade their first round picks with you anymore, Father B. There, trade strategy.
2: Boom. So you just you just nailed what my follow-up was gonna be with you. Because you're talking about spamming trades, but you're also talking about getting into a point where people don't want to necessarily trade with you anymore, especially in a dynasty league based on a reputation that you established. Right. Now I feel like in this borderline physically brings me to pain to say, and Dave will I'm sure cringe when I say it, your team is probably the best. In our home league.
0: <laughs> nice. It hurt.
2: It hurt to say I'm somewhat <laughs> nice. out of breath
0: just from saying it. I, I want to point out the first year that we we had this week, I didn't make playoffs either.
2: That's going to disincline people from trading with you, right?
1: Not in our league. Not in our league. Hey, Todd. Todd, here's my best players. Yeah, I'll take a I'll take a late second. Well, that's
2: J-Pow, right? Todd probably has some kind of obscure <laughs> sex tape that J-Pow is afraid <laughs> of getting out there. It's got swords. It, yeah. it must. It's probably yeah. like seven. Got but the words. how do you work around that? And I mean, I ask you that pointedly because you've done it. Everyone spent our entire live via Zoom draft dogging you about like what a shitty trade partner you are. But <laughs> lo and behold, it still keeps happening. So how do you do it? You're like the you're like the Barney Stinson where everyone knows like man, this guy. I know what he's doing. But boom, you wake up the next morning and you're in his apartment.
0: So the so the first thing is is that the main pieces have to be important. Like you can't, you got to be able to have a significant piece involved in the deal. If you're trying to get something significant, you got to give something significant. So if you look at any of my deals, at some point, somebody had some pretty high value. I might be selling pretty high on it or it might be a pick. It might be a court QB. It might be like a young running back, whatever it might be. I'm trying to sell something that has some high value, whether I'm, it's it's new, old, established, whatever it might be, right? You got to be able to, Find that piece that goes with that. Now, your main piece should not be better than the other team's main piece in the deal. And then your secondary pieces need to look more enticing than theirs. And you're buying low on those. That's the key to a good trade, is that you're selling high on the secondary pieces and buying low on their secondary pieces to get the main piece that you want. That's the big part. And when you do go to have that dialogue, don't send them paragraphs of why it's a good trade like Dave does. Dave sends like freaking That's not novels. true. That
1: is not true, Todd. <laughs> no, it's all
2: not right, true so at all.
0: It's not true at all, but it was really funny to say. Dave, pivoting to your strategy then.
2: Because, right, you, I feel like this peak value selling and being a slave to that, that's your MO, right? You cashed out on James Robinson very quickly.
1: quickly, uh, too quickly. Too quickly. My first strategy is simply – so Todd gave like one elaborate strategy. I'm just going to go with some quick hot take strategies like boom, boom, boom. Uh, I Actually, I really do enjoy Todd. I think Todd is spot on about trying to identify playoff schedules. I don't think in Dynasty people pay attention that close enough until a couple of weeks before the season or the playoffs. But Todd's one of those people who, who starts thinking about it at now, maybe even a week or two earlier and it is and it's to his benefit because under getting yourself to the playoffs and then having that those cake matchups going forward is a huge benefit. So props to Todd for that strategy. Um and I don't think it's used enough in dynasty. My quick strategies are uh one I like to buy high on rookies uh the market this year has actually been surprisingly efficient on the top rookies. Like people have been spot on. Usually in year, in years past the market's slow to catch up on rookies, but the market's been okay, but I'm still willing to pay a premium for these rookies because we're seeing some elite talent at the wide receiver position. I'm willing to pay a, t- a premium price for that in uh, trade because one, it not only me now, but in the future. So those are the kind of deals I like. And I also like to buy low on underperforming, underperforming players whose areas and target shares are still positive. So label example of this would be Nikhil Harry. Uh, yeah, he's been injured, but his target share has, has been impressive. He's actually had some good games until things went off the rails in the entire New England offense. I think Nikhil Harry has shown that he, is at least has a little more value than he's being valued right now. So I think Nikhil Harris is one of those players who, and and there's other, a lot of other players who like Marquise Brown uh, and other players who have, are underperforming in predictive or underperforming in fantasy points, but their predictive metrics are solid. So I like to buy low on those players. Uh, Also targeting the top three tight ends, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Waller, they have the potential to separate you from your, uh, from the other contenders down the stretch, especially Kelsey. And that her pains me because Todd has him on a death grip on Kelsey. And yeah, that's it's Aww, just a difference maker. Yeah. And don't be afraid to trade your first-round picks. You have the whole offseason to move around assets to acquire some more first-round picks to get back into the rookie drafts and make some moves. But if you need to acquire a piece, and, and there are players, and Sean, I, we talked about off-air, I'm not sure going to mention now because we're running low on time, but about how COVID is affecting this the trade market about the season in general. There are people who are totally were out on this season because of COVID. They thought this is going to be canceled, and blah, blah, blah. What it has done is that some of these, these immediate pieces like right now, like an Adam Thielen a, a, and these win-now type players are are a little bit more easily acquirable than they have in the past. And be willing to trade high premium assets like draft picks now, knowing that you can acquire them later in the offseason. And then finally, I almost made it. That, you know, they teased it out earlier on when they talked about Cincinnati. But another trade strategy is to eh, just throw a third-round pick out to A.J. Green, see if how he does in the, in the second half of the season. Because, look, A.J. Green's been hated on, but he has had some decent games going forward. It's not like what I, I hoped it would be, but he's not entirely washed. He's had some good games, and maybe he, you catch lightning in a bottle and I'm willing to bet on A.J. Green for a third-round pick. Those are some straight, char- straight strategies at the trade deadline. Mo- all right, several questions. Moving forward for this year or moving forward for
2: the remainder of AJ Green's career.
1: I'd I'd happily pay a third-round pick to to have AJ Green's rest of his remaining career. Where yeah. is he next year? I Sean, if I knew I'd tell you, but
0: um I'd hopefully not a, in I'd Cincinnati. I'd pay a third for AJ Green, no problem. I, mean, I think it, I would too. I yeah, think I people, too. De- people hate the hate is real. No, but the thing about it is if you're getting if you're getting AJ Green for a third, Okay, now here's another thing about trade strategy.
2: Straight steal. Straight no, steal but if you're doing that.
0: You just found a target. That's a target. You just found a manager that you need to trade with more cuz that's a bad trade for him.
1: But you guys have to admit, AJ Green is hate on. That yeah. it's outlandish to get that.
0: The what are you going to get in the third round draft pick that AJ Green can't possibly supply? You know what I mean? Like AJ Green ceiling is better than like Evans who I got in the third and I'm or or Lynn Bowden. Who I was super high on, and those didn't work out very well. You know, you might hit a Chase Claypool, but that's rare, dude. You know, so make that move. You get that move, that third get green. Now that's a guy you want to trade with again because that's a guy based off emotion.
2: Todd nailed it, right? Like, this is a down, this was AJ Green's prove it contract back from being injured year, and he hasn't. And he just hasn't. But the fact See, of the matter is. I think is,
1: he's shown at least something. Joe Burrow has not connected him. No, no. With
2: him. I don't want to hear about air yards or anything, Dave. He just, like, pen, pen to paper. I'm not saying air yards. AJ Green, he hasn't done what people wanted him to do this year. Yourself included. Because you bet Todd and I both that he would be a wide receiver 12. And I think everybody needs to be trying to take advantage of those hurt feelings and that disappointment. Because it's AJ Green. I'm agreeing with you by disagreeing with you because if you're giving up a third and Todd just said it you're not getting anybody in the third who has his potential
1: go get it AJ Green is worth a third round pick
2: All right fantastic so taking into the closing arguments in our quarter of the two rivals Dave what is your favorite all-time fantasy deadline trade
1: It's tough for me to remember my fantasy or my like deadline trades because I, I just they just don't stick out for me but some of my favorite deals over the years have been dealing for Cooper Cup, maybe an Emmanuel Sanders at the trade deadline, and them to be to be injured for the rest of the season like a week or two after I acquire them. Those are my favorite deals because that's been my, fancy, my fantasy football experience for my lifetime. I like to cry into my pillow at night, and those are just my favorite deals. So, yeah, those are my my, my best trade deadline
2: deals. All right. Todd, I've opened up the lane. Feel free to slam dunk your favorite all-time fantasy trade.
0: So I trade a lot, and you wrote the question as all-time favorite fantasy deadline trade. So I couldn't remember a deadline trade. Uh, The worst trade I made was trading Aaron Rodgers trade, uh, trading Deshaun Watson away for Aaron Rodgers trade up a couple years ago. That was bad. Um, But So I went back and looked at our old leagues, and, Sean, I found a trade. It was in October of 2017. Where you traded me Derek Henry straight up for who, Sean? Oh,
2: it was for Cameron Bray.
0: Now, yeah, it was. Yeah, it for, was for context buddy. with this one, <laughs> and it's not—it's—it's not, it's, it's not
2: going to make me sound much better, but I feel like the distinction is important. I thought it was Cameron Bray in a second round pick for Derrick Henry, while Derrick Henry was behind Demarco Murray. No,
0: no don't look at your that, doesn't when you've been don't that. Doesn't at your make it much better. That doesn't make it much better.
1: I will never trade with drinking Sean unless he's been drinking. I've been working.
0: I was working. That made it worse. Okay. Wow. Okay. And to answer what my favorite trades of all time are all my trades with Hannon. All my trades. Oh,
2: Hannon is the greatest person yeah. to trade with.
0: I've gotten Travis Kelsey off the top of my head. Travis Kelsey, Alvin Kamara.
1: It's like Russian Roulette. It's like, it's be,
2: like, yeah. it's roulette. like being in the Deer Hunter. You can never, you can never predict it. Like, I mean, Dave just said, it's Russian roulette.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Love that guy. Love that guy.
1: We might have a Tale of Two Rivals rate and review the show contest, and we pick a name of the hat to fill his spot in our, in our home. Ooh, juicy.
0: love that.
2: Hey, can can I, can I make a suggestion though? Sure, Sean. It can't be Joey the Tooth, Dave. I just—I don't lo- I, no, I, I, I love you. I, I don't think you could handle it.
0: That would be. Amazing. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry, Joey. I don't know you, but dude, you just—you can't do that to Dave. How many shutouts has he got? A
0: He's lot. Gotten I mean,
2: arguably more than J. which becomes concerning. Joey certainly good guy. more than Sad.
0: Well, you gotta understand, Joey's like traded me some really good players. It's been great. Well, I mean, that alone disqualifies him, Todd. We can't have more people in our league that are offering you favorable You traits. know what the other thing, too, is? Is that, like, he's actually on Twitter and, like, willing to do trash talks videos with me? You guys are lame. Let's Don't say going. it like
2: Twitter is some disqualifier, like you're a 14-year-old girl.
0: No, get out of here. No, no. What are you talking about? Join the community, buddy. Get on there. Whatever. No, but that would be phenomenal. And we should just honestly change our league our to AKO2 Rivals League. Come on.
1: That's what I'm thinking about. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, Dave, where can they find you?
1: (laughs) You can find me at FF underscore spaceman on Twitter. I'm a newly, uh, a new writer for DLF football, dance league football. I write a running back opportunity share column every week. You can usually find that on, on DLF just before Thursday night football each week where you can get basically a, uh, a breakdown of all the running back situations each week. And I, I think it's I, it's actually a great prep for me going into the week, and I think it's a very useful tool. And just uh, and you can also find my weekly database where I have it's a free database with a bunch of advanced metrics for everyone for free use and that I keep up to date each week. You can find that at uh, on my Twitter page at ff underscore spaceman. Guys, Tale of Two Rivals has been a blast been fun and i also want to mention a new or a friend of the show it's been a segment that we have not been mentioning recently but a shout out to tacit assassin 13 zach reed he is a loyal listener he has always been reaching out to me been very supportive of the podcast and of me personally but he uh, he he's been listening to us since the get-go he shouts out Taylor two rivals consistently and has been just a one of the people in the community who I respect their f- fantasy opinions, their strategy, and someone I look up to. So, friend of the show, Zach Reed, uh, Bravo, sir! You are an official friend of the show at a Taylor True
0: Great guy, great mind. I don't think he likes my takes, <laughs> <laughs> but all power to you. Hey, you know what I gotta say is, Mr. Kennedy, you crushed it tonight, buddy. Hey, you thank crushed you. it, bro. Um, they can't find you anywhere though, right? They cannot. I mean
2: I <laughs> You're I mean, off the grid. I, short of bragging, I do possess the login information for a Tale of Two Rivals on Twitter because I'm responsible for posting the videos that I have been abjectly We all have that not been posted. <laughs> you
1: already. should take over you should just take over the Tale of Two Rivals handle. That's what should you should do. Yes, you oh, should. That's so much responsibility, you guys. <laughs> So much need, you are to hosting check the show essentially now. So, oh, goodness, step don't,
2: up. Don't oh, goodness me, Dave. Excuse you. Excuse oh, excuse I just you. owe goodness to you. Yeah, yeah, I did. You will not. Are you kidding me? You want to talk about responsibilities, you want to talk about things that are needed to happen. There's a lot going on right now. It's 2020. You're going to pile something else on my plate. You can tweet a tale of two rivals, you can find me there. I will be posting videos of our segments here, quoting them out. Um, but other than that. Fight with these guys. They're much better to fight with.
0: Well said, Sean. So I am at FF underscore banterman on Twitter. Always feel free to hit me up. I am pretty much exclusively writing Debbie. As you know, I love the Debbie content. These two guys do not play. Hence, we never talk about it. They should. It's awesome. It's fun. So however, as you listen to the show, you obviously know I do more than Debbie. So dynasty questions, redraft questions, Debbie questions. Basketball questions. I'm a huge fantasy basketball guy, too. So definitely hit me up. Always down to banter. Always looking to love the community and get some uh, ideas going. Also, always down to argue about food. Um,
1: Rest in peace, Tommy Heinsohn, by the way. Basketball shout out. Dude. Tommy. um,
0: That was rough. Rough. Phenomenal. Phenomenal player. Like, one of the best Celtics of all time. Always thought of as a coach, as a commentator. One of the best power forwards ever to wear green. So, gentlemen. So, we is, take it out. This is this is very weird. So, does Sean sign us off or do I sign us off?
1: Or do I just close out because it's past my bedtime? You can Well,
2: a tale of two rivals coming at you, <laughs> wrapping it up, signing off. All right. Box checked.
0: Your bedtime, Dave. Dave,
1: dude, I stayed up so late writing that. Were you, Can you share our article. Last we're night? usually up later than this. What are you talking about? Past your bedtime. Yeah, Peter nice. Pan, Count Chocula.
0: Ugh. Okay. Ugh. These two Oktoberfests just went down so smooth. It was a good show.
1: I actually had a gin and tonic tonight. I don't usually drink. You had in a in the gin week, and
0: so. tonic? No way. Just no, one. Tonic. It was
1: my big. You know that the jar I had on Dynasty Trades HQ. Yeah. I had that. I had a gin and tonic that size.
0: Tonight, <laughs> so <laughs> that's
1: like most people's. Like that's three drinks for most people.
2: I feel like you're usually bragging about how many Quinn is bringing you, and it's, you know, there's three no, or four like, in the mix. Sin-
1: It's been a while since then. I've really, like, since, like, halfway through COVID, I had to s- ease up on the old uh, the old gin. so.
2: Ah. Um, I feel like most people are leaning into the gin as COVID increases.
0: Dude, dude. Uh, Dave, I, um, so I have a proposal for you. Ooh. since
1: I'm probably already going to turn it down, because if anyone Coward. who's good at fantasy should know to turn down any of Todd's proposals.
2: Well what's up with our league then? Why don't any of them do it?
0: Yeah, actually I've been rejected a lot this week.
2: So Dave, by that logic, Todd's brother is the best player in our league.
1: <laughs> I kinda like it. I <laughs> have <laughs> I have Dave I have Dave texted and- Sean four times in a row and he's not No responding no no no.
2: Well. Don't even bring this up. Don't even not bring you, this Sean. up. Not you, the
1: other Sean. Oh, okay.
0: I thought you were going to talk to me about Mike Davis, and yeah, I don't even want to it. You, no, you should have sure. asked me, man. I would have told you the truth. But listen to my proposal. You owe me $30 worth of beer, right? So
1: You just want $30, $30 worth of shepherd's pie? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to Venmo you like money to go get me over $30 worth of beer Bar at Tilted Barn, and you just have to drive it to my house and hang out with me. That's it.
1: Oh, that's that is more than. How am I was supposed to get the beer?
0: It... Come to come no. to you to get it? No, no, I like oh, it. I like it. It's making Dave. I You're literally
2: dirty. buying his time like he's a whore.
0: Yeah, it
1: is Todd. I will say that I was actually thinking about this recently, and we have has been a like we've hung out. I don't think I've even met your son. So no, you have not met
0: my son actually, and he's over two. So, <laughs> but no, it's all good, dude. It's been. Well, a I'm sorry been.
1: he doesn't come to Owens. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I um, that bar dude. I mean, that brewery is like the like one of the it breweries for me. So I want more than thirty bucks worth of beer. So I'll just send you the money, grab it. I think it's twenty minutes from your house, and then like whenever we can hang out, you can just bring it to my house.
1: Well, I still have not given up hope. You should that, give up. Uh,
0: you Teter Boyd should, loses you a leg. We are we are two weeks away from that clause being done. It was week 12. Week 12. Yeah. All right. Gentlemen. All right. Good night.
1: Peace.